from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is Thai Cats Today with Louie B. Yes, it is Thai Cats Today for a Wednesday, December the 1st. And if you're like me, you've been writing November all day, but it is December, December the 1st, the first ever December edition of Thai Cats Day. Glad you can join us. we got a jam-packed show, lots to get to today. The Thai Cats return to the practice field for the first time since Sunday's Eastern semifinal win. We are going to hear from Coach O, as we normally do. We're going to hear from Chris Van Zyl. We'll hear a little from Dylan Wynn. Uh, Matthew Shinetti from the CFL on TSN is going to be by. And we're going to hear from Minister of Tourism, Sport, and Culture Industries, Lisa McLeod. She was here at Tim Hortons Field to announce that the Government of Ontario is contributing $1.5 million to the 2021 Grey Cup and the 2023 Grey Cup. So I had a chance to catch up with uh, the minister after that announcement today. So I'll play a bit of that conversation for you coming up here on the show. As mentioned, lots going on, not just here on this show, but on the Cats Audio Network. You can catch a brand new episode of Morreale and Hitch. A uh, new Coach O show dropped yesterday. Uh, coach talking all about the win on Sunday, looking ahead to this Sunday, the Eastern Final at BMO against the Toronto Argonauts should be a fantastic game. And if you want to go help paint BMO black and gold, you can go to argonauts.ca for tickets. We are going to hear from Chris Van Zyl uh, for many reasons, but one of the reasons we're going to hear from him is because he is among nine players who's been nominated for the Jake Goddard Veterans Award. As the CFL announced that right tackle Van Zyl is one of the league's nine nominees for the award, which annually recognizes a Canadian CFL player who demonstrates the attributes of Canada's veterans, strengths, perseverance, courage, comradeship, and contribution to Canadian communities. And there's a little description here. And I'm going to read it for you because despite the difficulties of the canceled season, Chris Van Zyl returned for the 14th year in the CFL as one of the league's oldest players at 38. He overcame multiple training camp and early season injuries to return to his status as an all-star caliber offensive tackle. At all times on and off the field, he serves as a mentor and leader to his peers, whether they are making the jump from playing collegiate football or becoming familiar with the Canadian game. As part of United Way's Sleepless in Our City initiative, Van Zyl slept in his car on a cold winter night to raise money and awareness for homelessness in Halton and Hamilton. He also serves as an ambassador for the Tiger Cats' two current largest community outreach programs, Talis Hashtag End Bullying All-Stars and Interval Houses Be More Than a Bystander. He also lends his support to several other local community organizations like Hamilton Health Sciences, the Children's Aid Society, the Catholic Children's Aid Society and his alma mater, McMaster University. So a well-earned honor for Chris Van Zyl to be nominated for the award. As mentioned, we're going to hear from him in just a little bit. But as we always do here on Ticats today, let's hear from the head coach of the Ticats. That, of course, is Orlando Steinauer. And I started out by asking him today whether his approach to practice changes preparing for the Eastern semifinal or changes preparing to face a team You've already seen five times. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, nothing changes uh, in that manner, Louie. Obviously, we know our opponent. Uh, they know us. Uh, having played them four times, you know, they they kind of switch gears midway through. 
So, yeah, um, absolutely. You study your opponent, like I always say, and you put together a game plan. But uh, the majority of the focus will remain on ourselves and our own execution. So I'm um, just looking forward to it. Well, I think Chris is just, you know, he's outstanding in the community. Uh, he's really selfless. Uh, he's he just it's just something that he's embodied with. The, you know, football is just really a vehicle for him to to do other things out, outside of ball also. He's also, you know, a tremendous leader, of course, on the field. And, you know, just no, you don't just play as long as he has and not be doing uh, the majority of the things in a respectable way. So I think he's very deserving uh, of being a nominee. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody else on the team is proud of him too. Yeah, that's a fair question. I, I think that each year, Jim, uh, it just depends on your football team that year you know, on how I would answer that, uh, you know, it, they've, they've been off for a while. Like I said, they switched gears midway through, be it quarterback or also uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, they've also had some personnel changes shuffled around in there. So, you know, they have a, a different identity and, you know, they battled injuries the same way we have. So um, basically, you know, but their coaches have remained the same on the offensive side. Uh, they've put some new wrinkles in. So I think each year, depending on, you know, your football team is is how your approach would be. So uh, for us, you know, we're going to, you know, take what they've what they've put on tape and obviously put together our, our plan and then uh, go out and execute. But whatever they do, it's always the game within the game, Jim. You got to be able to make adjustments uh, while the game is going. That is the head coach of the Hamilton Tigers, Orlando Steiner, as he spoke after practice, touching on a couple of things, just how he's approaching practice this week, talking about uh, Chris Van Zyl being nominated for the uh, Jake Goddard Veterans Award as well. And speaking of that, had a chance to catch up with Chris about that. And out of all his accolades, his, uh, his seven divisional All-Stars, his, uh, his, his league All-Stars, his most outstanding offensive lineman trophy, uh, this one's got to be special. I asked him about it, about the uh, be, about being recognized for what he's been able to do off the field. And here's what he had to say. I mean, it's it's very significant. I mean, it's it's not something you ever strive to accomplish um, while you're doing the things you do in the community. But at the same time, when you're recognized for it and all the the work and whatnot that you do in the community, it's 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 obviously. Uh, I mean. Yeah, over the years, I've put quite a bit of work into the community, and it's it's an honor to be nominated for an award of, of that nature. Yeah, I, I mean, the calls were all pretty clear and, and whatnot. Uh, I thought he did a, an incredible job. Um, I mean, whoever's playing, you rely on them to be, make the calls, and the guys have been uh, bang on pretty much all year. So, um, again, it's next man up and Darius was ready to go this week. And, uh, obviously whenever you can get him into the lineup, it's, um, he, he's a great player. I played beside him all last year, two years ago. And, um, yeah, uh, it's, things are fluid. I mean, there's obviously things that they love to do and, um, those things kind of shine through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, it's it's these five games or the last couple of games that we played against them plus the years I played there I, I I've seen a lot of different things and I you you kind of you got to get used to expecting the unexpected and um, there's always wrinkles that he throws in so it's yeah you, you take what you've seen and 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 practice it and. 
but you know that there's probably going to be some form of wrinkle that comes up and um, something you can't really prepare for. So that's Chris Jones's defense. It's, it is what it is. Chris Van Zyl, as he spoke after practice today, talking about the return of Darius Sirocco, who uh, you know, had been in the lineup but hadn't been able to complete a game. He had played pretty much the entire Eastern semifinals. So that's an encouraging sign back out there at practice today. Uh, and speaking of practice, Braylon Addison was out there today, so that's an encouraging sign. So we'll keep our eye on the injury report, and uh, we'll report back to you on that tomorrow. The Ticats practice tomorrow is closed to the media, so we won't have any, any updates from practice to, uh, to tell you about other than what the team releases in their injury Report. All right, one more piece of audio from practice I want to get to. We still have CFL and TSN's Matthew Shinetti to get to. We still have the Honorable Lisa McLeod, Minister of Sport, Tourism, and Culture Industries. Uh, but want to get to Dylan Wynn because uh, Dylan Wynn, of course, was part of that front seven of the Ticats defense that performed so well on Sunday. And I asked him after the game, while well, we started our conversation after practice, excuse me, started our conversation talking about, you know, just, just what it was like running out of the tunnel to the blackout on Sunday. Canadian classic, you know, it's good fun. It's always a good time in the donut box when it's all blacked out and our fans showed out and there's a lot of love. It's cool. Proud of what we did. We're definitely not there yet. Um, we definitely got some stuff we need to fix and tighten up. I'm just happy that, you know, we were able to produce the way that we were to help the team win. But, um, you know, we got we to gotta tighten some stuff up, especially against Toronto this week. Uh, a, a good amount just because, you know, it's film study. It's, it's how, how do they, you know, try to play us and stuff like that. But um, you got you to gotta go into each week with a fresh pair of eyes. You can't, you know dwell on the past too much and you you get stuck in those you know little uh whirlpools where you start thinking a certain way the whole time and I don't think that's healthy for you know uh breaking down an offense and trying to figure out what they want so bringing in a fresh you know uh mindset into a game um is always good and this week you know we're prepping just like any other week we're getting ready to you know put our best foot forward Growth mindset, that's something that we talk about. Um, you know, uh, my mindset is how do I help my team win? How do I become a better football player? And, you know, it never changed. It's just how, you know, we're, we as an organization, uh, you know, try to all be swimming in the same direction. It's, you know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And so we all want to grow. That is Dylan Wynn as we caught up with him after practice. Remember, you can get full interviews at ticats.ca, full scrums. You can catch uh, the full conversations between the assembled media and Dylan Wynn and Coach O and uh, Chris Van Zyl and Jalen Acklin, who we talked to today. So just go to ticats.ca right there on the main page. You'll find all the uh, full scrums from today. All right, very pleased now to be joined by my friend. He was between the benches on Sunday. It is the CFL on TSN's Matthew Shinetti. And uh, Matthew, if I had told you going into the game that the Ticats would need to be very good defensively and shut down William Stanback and you know Jeremiah would have to play relative mistake-free football, uh, I mean, that, that game plan seems like it worked. Yeah, didn't it? I think the defining moment of that game before Julian Hauser got the fumble recovery was Jagarid Davis actually stuffing William Stanback close to the uh, close to the goal line there in the first half. Uh, 
I thought that was the tone setter. I think momentum, clearly Hauser changed everything in terms of points, but I think it really showed that the Ticats were not going to be bent by William Stanback at all. Like that, that defensive line um, was not just stout, it was ferocious. And we might be looking back. <laughs> maybe maybe Winnipeg quarterback Zach Kolaros might be thanking the, um, uh, the Hamilton Tigercats for, for moving a few MOP votes uh, his way um, with the greatest amount of respect to the great year that William Stanback had. But that's the playoffs, right? I mean, those are the moments. Those are the margins. And uh, – Certainly, uh, you know, you, we can be looking at Jeremiah Masoli's performance uh, again and, and, and looking f- especially at that first half when they weren't, weren't really moving the football. But uh, that pass to um, Brandon Banks over Patrick Levels, I might add, was uh, a huge, huge moment and, and just a, a perfect pass from two guys who have created so many big moments for, for Hamilton over the years. Um, it was uh, as close to well, I won't say a perfect game because there are no perfect games, but it was as close to a a a, tie, a classic tie cats classic tie cats playoff win as you're going to get. Just stout defense, ferocious defense, and opportunistic offense, uh, and really taking the chances when they're given to them. Are you concerned by the lack of offense? Um, listen, I was at Argos practice today. Um, that Argos defensive line uh, is as good, um, if not bigger, just in terms of height, than the Ticats' um, defensive line. And like any game that is a one game away from a championship uh, bout, uh, it's decided on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Don Jackson, Jeremiah Masoli, uh, Jalen Acklin, Brandon Banks, Tim White are all going to have to – be ready for the word go because, um, listen, you can't judge anything off practice. That's not fair. But the Argos have rest. The Argos are healthy. And the Argos are waiting for Sunday afternoon. Um, but this is the biggest moment of Jeremiah Masoli's career. Yet again, he's back to the East final with an opportunity like he, he was um, a couple times with the chance to go to the Great Cup. And – I don't think knowing Jeremiah, there's going to be much more motivation he's going to need than that. I, I mean, to that point, a lot of these Ticats, and Dylan Wynn mentioned it today, he said 2019 was a completely different team. Coach O has reiterated that throughout the year. He says, we're not the same team we were two years ago. That being said, there are a lot of very same pieces from that 2019 team. How much of what happened to them in Calgary against Winnipeg is sticking with them going into Toronto or beyond because that's not the way they wanted their year to end. And they know what that feels like. How much is, how much of that disappointment do you think is motivating this Ticats group, regardless if they say it publicly or not? Uh, I still think the uh, great cup in 2014 is motivating these Ticats. Mm-hmm. Louis, if, if I, if I'm completely honest, I can tell you it's motivating one guy who wears the number 16 and it's motivated him every single day since he, had that uh, return touch that, that would have been the greatest moment in Great Cup history returned uh, back from him for a very, very questionable flag. Um, but that's the past, and Orlando Steinauer doesn't deal in the past. He deals in the present, and the present is the Ticats walk into BMO Field 
with two very significant, especially the defense, two very significant stats they're going to have to overcome. McLeod and Thompson uh, combined over the last two wins, uh, big wins against the Argos through uh, nearly 640 passing yards, and the Argos outscored Hamilton 33-19 in the fourth quarter. Those are just numbers. They don't unpack the details of how and why things led up to that, to the end result. But Hamilton, I think, after win, needed to beat Montreal for the sense, as we've been talking about, the sense of, okay, we, we had a big game. Our fans were all over us. We, not all over us negatively, but wanted us to win, was give, were, were giving us um, motivation and expectation, and we dealt with it. And we, and we succeeded. Now you're going into BMO Field, which I'm hearing, you know, tickets are moving well. It's an afternoon game. It's going to be snowy again. It's going to be cold. It's now December um, against your hated rival against a team that, you know, the Argos, the Argos are, are talking and acting like the Ticats are the favorites. Mm-hmm. Like everyone wants Hamilton to win. And they're coming in not with that home team swagger, but with uh, underdog mentality. So the Ticats can come in feeling like underdogs. The Argos can come in feeling like underdogs. And, you know, we can play that, that, that kind of motivation game. But at the end of the day, um, ball security is going to be huge. Um, but what's also going to be big is Jeremiah Masoli's experience. This is not his first playoff game. It is McLeod Bethel Thompson's first playoff game. And that counts for something. So what is Jeremiah Masoli going to do with it? Ryan Dinwiddie, I mean, you go back to the Labor Day and he said, you know, we have to beat the Ticats to get through the East. And he looked – I mean, he's been saying it since, since they first played all those weeks ago. Uh, I, do you believe him? I mean, is he just trying to motivate his team? Uh, do, does, I mean, he's got to think he's got the better team. Uh, the one thing that, that you have to credit the Ticats since 2013 is they've created the, certainly now that Ottawa's going through its struggles, notwithstanding the Ottawa won a great cup, but the most stable culture in the East. Like, like what, what, what Hamilton has done is, and I was saying this to you, this is their most successfully sustained period in a long, long time. Like if you, you know, before that, I, you know, our good friend Steve Milton with the Hamilton Spectator can, can, can go through many of the disappointments that Hamilton has, has dealt with in the regular season, missing out on the playoffs and so on and so forth. The expectation in Hamilton has only risen every single year. And the other, other places and other coaches and other people in the league have taken notice. Like, you know, the Ticats are excellent at home. They're excellent at home under Orlando Steinauer. They were excellent at home before Orlando Steinauer. Um, the Ticats regularly were making the playoffs, if not hosting the East final, if not in the East final. Um, that is culture. That is expectation. And that means you have a reputation. And Ryan Dinwiddie, um, in trying to motivate his guys, has said the big bad wolf it, it exists 70 kilometers to the west. And the big, or the big, the big bad Ticats are 70 kilometers to the west, and they're the team that we have to beat. And you could see that certainly in uh, the walk-off win that Porter Speedy kicked the game-winning field goal when Dinwiddie gestured his own pantomimed field goal kick uh, towards the Ticats bench. Just in the way it's – unlike Montreal where, you know, certainly Patrick Levels was trying to motivate his team, the Argos don't need motivation. The Argos have circled, ha- circled Hamilton on their calendars apart from – and apart from, the la- apart from the Labor Day Classic, they have – they have owned the rivalry, and you can't understate that. So, yes, there's injuries. Yes, there's situational football. Yes, there are, there are mistakes here or there that could change an outcome. But right now, Hamilton's going to Toronto on Sunday, and right now, the Argos are the home team, 
And right now, all the pressure, I would say, is the Argos putting it on themselves because the Argos, as you say, want to beat Hamilton. What does that amount to? We're going to find out come 1230 on Sunday. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday. Lots can happen between now and Sunday. But what are a couple of key matchups that you're kind of circling on, you know, your, your mock depth chart until we get the real one? What, what, are two, what are a couple of different spots on the field that you think uh, might make the difference in this game? Uh, I watched Eric Rogers uh, very, very uh, effortlessly uh, connect on some deep pass plays with McLeod Buffalo Thompson Argos practice today. So Eric Rogers is going to be a problem because if he's healthy – that is still, irrespective of the injuries that, and the many injuries he's dealt with over the last couple of years, that's still on his best day, maybe the receiver with the best catch radius in the CFL. Just what he can do to high point the ball, what he can do in stride. So that's high catch secondary. If Eric Rogers is healthy and is, uh, you know, because the Argos have struggled to connect on big pass plays, probably because they haven't had Eric Rogers. If Eric Rogers is healthy, that's an issue. Did the defensive line, I mean, the, the, what the Ticats did, their front seven was, was awesome. I mean, it's like to see how they disrupted Trevor Harris, irrespective of how many uh, passing yards Trevor Harris threw, you have to tip your hat to Mark Washington. But that defensive line, I watched, um, you know, Shane Ray, Sean Oakman, uh, Cordero Law today, you know, looking pretty locked in. Again, only judging on practice. But even though those two defensive lines aren't going to face each other, they could be the thing that sets the tone for for, and disrupts the tone for uh, for both offenses. Um, and finally, I'm looking at two guys who call themselves best friends. That's Jeremiah Masoli and McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, these guys have a long, long history. I mean, th- only in Canadian football could we find two Northern California kids who knew of each other since high school, kept tabs on each other throughout university, went to San Francisco 49ers training camp and became really good friends, have done a lot of philanthropic work together, and who, a- a- apart from maybe this week, would constantly be texting each other, messaging each other, going through each other's game film. There is an immense amount of respect between the two of them, and a friend is going to have to beat a friend to get to a great cup. That is – you can't think of a better storyline than that. And even though, much like the defensive lines, they're not going toe-to-toe, these two guys are going to have to navigate what is going to be a high-stress atmosphere. You know, you got to talk about the field. It's December. There's going to be weather. There's – there's certainly going to there's going to be noise inside BMO Field. I mean, there's, there's this is this is one game away, and and you know my you know apart from the 2014 East final, which was great between tie, the Tie Cats and, and the Alouettes, my one of my favorite games to work was the 2013 East final between um, Hamilton and Toronto because that game was back and forth the whole way, and it was it was so much energy inside the Rogers Center, and I I imagine with the ample support that the Ticats are going to have from their, their fans and the Argos fans who, you know, whatever you want to say about their numbers, they're pretty loud yep. in that stadium, and they try to get as loud as they can. I'm expecting an absolute barn burner come noon on Sunday. Should be a great one. Thanks for setting it up for us, Matthew. Appreciate it. Talk to you, buddy. My thanks to Matthew Shinetti for joining me today. And before we go, do want to get to this one last little interview. Had a chance to catch up with Lisa McLeod. She is the Minister of Tourism, Sport, and Culture Industries for the Government of Ontario. She was at Tim Hortons Field today to announce that the Government of Ontario is contributing $1.5 million to both the 2021 Grey Cup and the 2023 Grey Cup. So it's an exciting announcement down here at the Hall of Fame level of Tim Hortons Field. And I was lucky enough to get a chance to uh, go one-on-one with Minister McLeod. And uh, I started off our conversation by just, you know, 
talking about the excitement in the building. Yeah, today. I'm really happy. Um, you know, throughout this entire pandemic, we have been one team in Ontario, all of our professional sport organizations working together to get us to a return to play. And I feel like the, there's a, a great reward here um, with having Hamilton host the Great Cup both in 2021 and 2023. And I felt it was really necessary that the Ontario government come forward um, and, and invest uh, $1.5 million in this Games and $1.5 million um, in the Great Cup week in 2023 for a total of $3 million. I feel like it's going to be very important for the social and economic recovery of the province. On, on the social side, we're going to start to see fans and stands that are going to be happy, making memories. Uh, and on the economic side, it's going to be a, a real robust recovery for the hospital, hospitality, tourism sector uh, and cultural sector here in, the, in um, Hamilton, as well as the entire province. Uh, we're, we expect that it, the, the two games in total will generate well over $200 million in economic activity. Your portfolio specifically, I mean, really ties well together with the Grey Cup because everything you kind of encompass in your role, the Grey Cup does as well. Is that, It just seems fitting. It just seems so nice to be able to invest uh, into these games uh, because it really does allow us in the ministry to have that collective sigh of relief because it is heritage. It's 108th and the 110th Grey Cup. That is our history as a country. It is sport. You're going to see some of the finest football players uh, in North America take the, uh, the, the, the field and, and play a game that they love. Uh, it is culture. You're going to see amazing musicians uh, play throughout the Grey Cup week, including a halftime show that are right here from Ontario. And, and of course, it is tourism. It is going to bring people from around uh, the country and potentially from other parts of the globe uh, if they're able to safely travel here. And so it really will start to fill up the restaurants and hotels that have been at 3% capacity if, if they've been open in the last 18 months. So it's really um, heritage, sport, tourism and culture is what the Grey Cup is. And it is going to be a, a great revival for these sectors. And to that point, this will be one of the largest events to be held since the pandemic. A lot of work has gone on at the provincial level to get to this point. Was there ever a point where you thought maybe it wouldn't happen? Yeah, I think toward the end of September, early October, as we were looking at what the public health uh, climate was looking like, but the, so many people were double vaccinated. Uh, it was really increasing our opportunities and our chances. And so we maintain close contact. Um, with uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, MLSC, uh, the, the Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group and the Ottawa Senators, among others, um, in order to make sure that uh, no matter what uh, professional uh, sport organization we had in the province and what sport it was, uh, that we were all equally working together to make sure that there was a return. And uh, when we, we made that, that announcement uh, at the very beginning of October, it allowed us to, to say to the, the CFL, Ontario is ready and prepared, um, not only to host a game, but to have a full capacity of fans and stands and we're going to back it up by a significant investment and i know you're an ottawa girl but is there any chance we see you in black and gold in a couple of weeks i'm going to tell you i will be here for the uh for the gray cup and i will be donning ontario's colors and uh, i'm going to be very very proud uh, as the sport minister uh to see this game not only being played but to actually have one of our own teams after this pandemic uh be on that field and host that cup that is lisa mcleod she's the minister of sport tourism and culture industries for the government of Ontario. My thanks to her for giving me some time today. My thanks to Matthew Shinetti and my thanks to you as well. I appreciate it as always, even in the playoffs, could not do this show without your support. Make sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on the Ticats Audio Network. I'm Louis B. Hoping you have a great day. Ticats Today with Louis B. Subscribe. 
like, and get your Thai Cats fix every weekday.